Father, I pray that you would now, by your Spirit, plow up any hard ground in our hearts so that the seed of your Word could be planted deep and produce a harvest of righteousness for your glory. Renew our mind, please, now by your Word and the power of the Spirit. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Uh, please open your Bibles now to Ecclesiastes 11. Ecclesiastes 11, in the portion of God's Word we come to today, wise King Solomon begins to wrap up the message of this whole book. He takes us back one more time to two of the cornerstone themes of this book, the joys of life and the reality of death. But there's a special power in this scripture because there's a special focus. The Spirit applies these big truths to a couple of distinct groups. He addresses young people directly, and He addresses older people directly. What you're going to hear is both groups need the same basic message, but it, it applies in slightly different ways. So those who are aging are addressed first, and they're told, rejoice and remember. And, and then the young are addressed, and they're told the same, rejoice and remember. In effect, the young are told, hey, wake up, you're still young, and that's a really good thing. So enjoy these early years and seek God in them. And, and then the ones who are aging are told, Wake up, you're still alive, and that's a really good thing. So enjoy these later years and seek God in them. Verse 11 of Ecclesiastes 11 begins this address to those who live many years, as verse 8 refers to them. So here's the first main point of this passage. While you're aging, rejoice and remember. While you're aging, rejoice and remember. Verse 7 says, light is sweet. And it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. Well, remember what the sun is represented in this book. The phrase under the sun is referred to this present life we're living, in this present world, in this present age. So, so I think seeing the sun and light both refer to just the experience of living this current life. This world was created by God as good, but now... Because of us, it's corrupted. It's a world that's groaning under the consequences of humanity's sin against God. That includes death. And this book has told us that repeatedly, hasn't it? That life under the sun is vanity, meaning, mainly, it's passing away like a vapor. It will all die soon. And this book has told us the truth about that. And the truth that in these few vapor-like years we have under the sun... That life will be hard in many ways, often frustrating, often perplexing, sometimes incredibly distressing, sometimes even worse. We know this is true, and yet, we know that's not the whole truth. We know verse 7 is also true, that despite all the difficulties that come in life under the sun, there's still so much that God gives and does here that is wonderful and enjoyable and good. Even in this fallen world, even in this fallen age, by the grace of God, it is still good to be alive. Light is sweet. 
And if, if that is not amazing to you, then you don't understand how heinous sin is and how holy God is. We don't deserve this, but, but it is true that light is sweet and it is pleasant to see the sun. So much in this life is sweet and pleasant in so many ways. Even though we're out of the Garden of Eden and we're dying, all of us. So here's the application that Solomon's going to make in the Spirit. Because that's true, if God gives you a long life here, relatively speaking, the proper thing for you to do, the godly thing for you to do, is to receive with gladness every sweet and pleasant thing in all the years God gives them. That's in verse 8. Look at verse 8. If a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice and remember. Did you see it there? That's what, that's what you must do as and if your years become many. This is such an important exhortation. Because stereotypically in the world, what happens to people as they age? Are they filled with joy in every next year that they have, every new year that comes, even to very old age, a vibrant joy in God and in His good gifts? Often that, that's not the case, is it? Uh, stereotypically, in the world at least, as as people age, they, they can become more embittered, more bitterly disappointed, just grumpier about things. And the Lord is saying right here, it shall not be so among those who follow me. You might say, yeah, but I, I have pains I didn't have before, and I can't sleep like I used to be able to. At night, I can't stay awake during the day like I used to be able to. I, I can't have the same hopefulness about my future under the sun that I had. I, and I have a bunch of hopes that I've had to abandon about things that I didn't end up doing. I have a lot of regrets about things that I did end up doing. And listen, God knows all of that about you and more. God's Word knows you better than you know yourself. And God's word says, the wise and godly way to age is to rejoice in every year that you get to experience God's good gifts in this world. The difficulties that can come with aging must never be used to justify joylessness. It is so beautiful to me, the way that Scripture talks about how godliness grows old. Psalm 92, verse 12 through 15 says, The righteous flourish like a palm tree. They grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They're planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. And in Proverbs 4, 18, it says, The path of the righteous 
is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. So Christian, as you grow older, you should also grow brighter and greener. You grow in righteousness and spiritual vitality. Grow in joy in God and all His gifts. Even the most simple, temporary, daily gifts. Rejoice. And remember. Specifically, the verse said, to the aging need to remember that the days of darkness will be many. And I understand that, especially in light of how I took verse 7 to refer to death. When your body returns to the dust and, and you no longer live to see the sun because you're not living under the sun anymore. Days of darkness then. And you need to remember that those days are coming soon. The end of verse 8 punctuated that when it said, all that comes is vanity. It's like a vapor. And again, this reminds us, as a previous passage of Ecclesiastes did, what Jesus said in John 9, 4 that we must remember the works of God who sent me while it is day. Because night is coming when no one can work. And so if you get many years and then still more, remember you won't long have these present opportunities for good works, for ministry. Not like you have right now. So, so as you age, remember this. And, and let that stir you to make the most of these fleeting days with joy. To, like, like Psalm 78.4, resolve to tell the coming generations the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He's done. And, and tell others of God's faithfulness that you have seen for a long time like David did in Psalm 37.25. He said, I've been young and now I am old, but I can testify I have not yet seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. Call people like, like Psalm 148 does. Say, young men, maiden, children's, praise the name of the Lord with me. Aim to thrive in your latter years like godly Anna. Do you remember her in Luke chapter 2? Who when she was 84, she did not depart from the temple worshiping and fasting and, and praying night and day. And she gave thanks to God for sending Christ. And she spoke of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. She was so full of sap and green in her 80s. She's running circles around people younger than she is in the way she prayed and worshiped and spoke of Christ. I hope this makes you hopeful and in in the happy fear of God, you can age well under the sun despite all of the vanities and frustrations and pains that might come. If you abide in Christ, you can have a heart posture that actually matches the goodness of the gifts that God has given. You, you can have a heart that is sweet and pleasant. And if you do age rejoicing, Instead of grumbling, then Philippians 2 says, you will shine like a light in the world, like a child of God in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. So verse 9 then is this pivot point where, where the, now the young begin to be addressed. Okay, so children, youth, 
Young, young adults even, I think, fall under this category as we're about to, to read this. The, the youth, anyone whose body is still working like it should, generally speaking. There are, there are some passages of Scripture that are especially aimed at you. And this is one of them. So, so listen up. Point two, while you're young, rejoice and remember. While you are young, rejoice and remember. Verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. Let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart in the sight of your eyes. But know, remember, that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Childhood, youthfulness, youth, uh, verse 10, we'll call it the dawn of life, or even the prime of life. These are precious gifts of God that you should enjoy while you have them. Okay? Thus saith the Lord, enjoy being young. Do, do things you can't do when you're older and rejoice in being able to do it. Right? Play games, play sports, and run as fast as you can and laugh about it. And don't worry that you're going to have to you know, leave playing tag in an ambulance or, or with your hamstring hurting or something. In, in, enjoy also the relatively small weight of responsibility that you carry, which is the natural result of having relatively small amounts of authority. Authority entails responsibility. Rejoice in, in the strength and the beauty that you now have that you won't have later. Now, of course, not, not in a self-absorbed and self-promoting way, but as a way to honor God for His goodness and, and making you like He did in His image. You know, memorize Scripture and lots of other things while your mind still works like a steel trap. I can't tell you the words of the songs I was singing five years ago. I can tell you the words of the songs I sung when I was five. Enjoy learning all kinds of new stuff. Almost certainly you will never, if you're young, have more free time than you have now. And some of you think, hey, listen, you don't understand, I'm in college. I'm in an advanced program in high school. I'm very busy. I have extracurricular activities. Okay. Well, this is how life works. When you get older, your life gets even more busy and full. I remember someone saying this to me in seminary. I'm in graduate school, and I have a full-time job. And, and he said, basically, if you think you're too busy to seek the Lord now, you've got another thing coming, because your life is only going to get busier when you get out of school. And you know what? He was right. While you're still a young adult, you have energy for Industry and entrepreneurship and ministry and hard work and creativity you might not have later. Okay, I could go on and on with specific examples. I think you get the point. Rejoice in your youth. Let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Other translations say, let your heart be merry in the days of your youth. And verse 10 gives the same command about your heart. But on the flip side, look at verse 10. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body. 
for youth and the dawn of life, or, or the prime of life, our vanity. So this English word vexation, you know what it means? It means troubled. To be vexed is to be troubled or annoyed or irritated. Young people, don't let that become the posture of your heart. Don't, don't be a youth who's irritated and annoyed all the time. God says right here, remove that from your heart. That, that may be fashionable to some of your friends, but that is not godliness. And that is not an inevitable part of being young. I'll tell you what I told the aging. Scripture knows you better than you know yourself. And Scripture calls you to remove these things from your heart and rejoice through the days of your youth. Now, this, the Hebrew word underneath vexation here, it's actually a really broad word. It can be translated as anger or sorrow or even anxiety. And it has been translated in those different ways, even earlier in Ecclesiastes. This is quite an exhortation. You know, young man, young woman, remove anger from your heart. Put on godly gratitude. Remove sorrow from your heart. Put on godly joy. Remove anxiety from your heart. Put on godly contentment and faith. And you can, you can if the Spirit of Christ dwells in you because you're trusting in the work of Christ done for you when He died and rose for your sins, even your sins of heart, so you can be forgiven for them and free from them. I'll say this too, if, if you do have anger or sorrow or anxiety or vexation that, that is taking up residence in your heart, oh, don't make peace with it. Let, tell a godly parent or, or a mentor, seek their help, seek their counsel, seek their prayers for the sake of removing it from your heart. That's how God says you should spend the days of your youth. Now, I have, I have also read this in the news, not, not Christian news, just the news news, that it, it's becoming a thing in, in some, I don't know, corners of, of youth that it's actually somewhat desirable to have a troubled heart and mind. That that's a way to fit in and gain esteem and approval. It's like vexation of heart is in vogue. And my friends, let these verses in Ecclesiastes blow the smoke of that unbiblical thinking far away. That's a waste of something so good, being young, you know, the hymn that we sang earlier, one of them, youth hurries by. You will not be young long. You may feel like the years are going slowly. You, you think, my last birthday was forever ago. But when you're not young in, anymore, you're going to say, where did my youth go? Don't squander this precious gift of childhood. Don't squander this precious gift of youth. Don't squander the precious gift of young adulthood by not rejoicing in it, as God intends. And adults, if you have any, any kind of influence over any young person, you know, tell the children around you, tell the teens around you, tell the young adults around you, young people, tell each other, tell your peers to remove from their 
heart's vexation and, and to rejoice, to pursue a merry heart that can gratefully enjoy God's good gifts. And, and even if you must remind them that, that they must do this, and so that means with God's help that, that they can. I think sometimes we make the same mistake in, in how we think about the aging is how we think about the young, that, that grumpiness is just a natural part of it. And so we accept it as a necessary part of being young. This is the, the grouch is the phase that all young people must pass through. But the Bible actually says right here it should not be part of being young. You shouldn't grow old as a grouch. You shouldn't grow up as a grouch. Because light is sweet, and it's pleasant to see the sun. And so we should rejoice in our younger years and latter years and every year in between. Now, the second command in the middle of verse 10 it tells the young to put pain away from their body. So see this, put vexation away from your heart and now remove pain from your body. Now this, this could be translated, maybe, you're, maybe you have a footnote about this. This could be translated as put evil away from your body. And in that case it would mean, you know, don't, don't use your youthful, still working members of your body as instruments of unrighteousness. But, but I actually think in light of what chapter 12 is going to say about the human body breaking down, it's right to understand this as, as a command to put pain away from your body. Do that when you're young because it's a lot harder to do that when you're not. Okay, take care of your young body. A young body is a stewardship from God. And part of enjoying the unique goodness of youthfulness is, is this. Put pain away. Don't, don't harm yourself. You know, exercise. A accept with gratitude good and reasonable medical care. <laughs> and again, why? Why do this? Why put pain away from your body? Why put vexation away from your heart? Well, the reason at the end of this verse, what does it say? It says, youth is passing quickly. Youth and the dawn of life are vanity. And look at verse 1 of chapter 12. That, that says, youth is the time before the evil or painful days come. And the years draw near of which you say, I have no pleasure in, in them. Okay, those days when things hurt more. Those days when it's harder to really experience some of God's good earthly gifts because you can't taste things as well or hear things as well or see things as well or, or you know, have the same energy that you used to have. Those days are coming. Youth, the dawn of life, doesn't last long. Enjoy it before God while you have it. And remember this earlier. Remember this from earlier in Ecclesiastes and apply it here. You can only really enjoy the earthly gifts that you don't make idols out of. So if you idolize youthfulness, if you idolize being young, as many in our culture do, you won't actually be able to fully enjoy it while you have it. Because you'll end up despising and being antsy about losing it. You'll be disgruntled about how it's not supremely satisfying you, even though that's what you're putting all your hopes in for happiness. Now, only God can satisfy your deepest longings to be happy. So... So just enjoy being young. It's great, but, but it isn't a treasure of supreme value. Enjoy it for what it is, a temporary 
good gift from God, who himself is the supremely satisfying treasure in every age. Now, we need, we need to look back up to verse 9 because we still need to talk about the second half of that verse. Look, look to the middle of verse 9, chapter 11, to the end of it. It says to the young person, this is interesting, walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Now, the, the first part there that I read from the middle of verse 9 I should have given you a heads up. I was going to start in the middle of the verse. Everyone located where we are now? Walk in the ways of your heart, the side of your eyes. Okay, that, that could be confusing, right? You think, wow, that, that kind of doesn't sound like the Bible. And, and you'd be right because, for example, Numbers 15.39 says, Do not follow after your own heart and your own eyes. And 1 John 2 warns against the lust of the eyes. And Job said, if my heart had gone after my eyes, I'd be guilty of unrighteousness. And so, you know, as Solomon, you know, Solomon's getting kind of old when he writes this. No, no, clearly this is not opposite of those commands. This isn't a green light to act on whatever desire, even sinful desires in your heart, or or to teach you to, to reach for what you would sinfully look at and put before your eyes. And the last line of verse 9 just proves that. When it reminds the young person, God will, God will judge him for how he walks out what his heart desires and I see. Okay, so it doesn't mean go ahead and sin in any way you please, but it does mean go ahead and enjoy the good things that God has given you, including your youth. What your young heart desires, seek it and enjoy it if it's not contrary to God's commands. And it won't lead you away from joy in God. Go ahead and enjoy the things that you see that God has given you. So long as it's not contrary to any of God's commands. So long as you don't forget that for all these things, God, you will stand before him in judgment. So go ahead and enjoy in his presence what you desire and see. You know, this actually reminds me a lot of a very famous line that was written by a very famous theologian in the fourth century named Augustine, or Augustine, as you may say. And he said, love God and do what you want. Have you heard that? The fuller quote is, love God and do whatever you please. For if the soul trained in love, for the soul trained in love to God will do nothing to offend the one who is beloved. If you're loving God, all the things you want to do will be holy and good. So love God and be free and do what you want. Now, the Ecclesiastes version of that same beautiful free way to live is this. Fear God and do what you want. Walk in the ways of your heart, the side of your eyes, so long as you know God will bring you into judgment for those things. And the end of Ecclesiastes connects... Remembering God will judge you for every deed, good or evil, too. That's part of the basics of just fearing God like you should. If you're fearing God, really, then you can live free and enjoy the things that you desire and that your eyes see because of the way that the fear of God funnels your desires toward what is good and holy and most enjoyable. 
So you're actually reading this verse wrongly if you think that the last part of the verse, no, God will bring you into judgment, if you think that that's the enemy of the first part of the verse, rejoice in your youth. This verse is not saying God wants us to enjoy life, but hey, he's going to judge us, so we better not enjoy it too much. That's not it at all. That is pitting Scripture against itself. That is pitting God's justice against his goodness. That's not it at all. That, that's thinking wrongly about sin, wrongly about God's good commands, wrongly about God's giving character, wrongly about God's benevolent justice. Remembering God will judge you, and so you fear him and respect his commands, that does not tamp down how much you can enjoy life. That's meant to lead you to the fullest joys you can possibly have, even in the days of your youth. Because God-approved joys are the truest joys. They don't haunt you later. And they build on each other so that your happiness in God's goodness and in God himself grows deeper and, and feeds off each other. And, and you're the blessed man that the Psalms talk about. Know that for all things, God will bring you into judgment. That, that should be fuel on the fire for you to rejoice in your youth to walk in the ways of your heart, the side of your eyes. And here's one more way it does. You need to know God will judge us for what we did with his commands, including these commands, to rejoice in your youth and all your years. So here's one way that the logic of this verse works. Enjoy being young because you're going to have to answer to God about that one day. Failure to rejoice in these fast-fading years of, of, of youthfulness and young adulthood, that's not just a missed opportunity. It's actually wrong. It's transgression. Remembering that God will bring you into judgment can be the very foundation of a life of rejoicing. But, but here's how it can be. That can only be the foundation for a life of rejoicing if you know that when you stand before God in judgment, he's going to declare you righteous. There's only one way you can know that. There's only one way that God will declare that of you. Uh, because actually you've already blown it on your own. You have transgressed the laws of God from your childhood. So you're guilty and you're not righteous. But God has come to sinners with good news of great joy. And it's this. It's about his son whom he sent, who became a man, who grew up as a child rejoicing in God his Father perfectly and did all of his days. And Jesus took upon himself as a young man in his 30s, he took upon himself, like, like a perfect sacrifice, the sentence of, of, of guilt that we deserve to receive and the punishment that comes after that that we deserve to be punished with for our sins on judgment day and for eternity. 
Jesus took that as our substitute on the cross in his death. And then the good news is, three days later, he rose from the dead. And then especially the good news is, if you will just trust in that saving work of Jesus, God will declare you righteous in his eyes. It, it, he will credit to you the perfect human righteousness, the perfect childhood righteousness, the perfect living as a youth righteousness that Jesus lived. He'll credit that to your account if you'll just trust him, just, just like he credited all of the sins of his people to Christ on the cross. If you know Jesus as your Savior, Judgment Day will actually be a day of great rejoicing for you. And so trusting in that good news of Jesus now, how you can be declared righteous in him, and you remember the coming judgment of God in light of that, that can be truly the foundation of rejoicing in your youth and rejoicing as you grow old. Trust him and, and be happy because of it. Now, as chapter 12 begins... This last chapter of the book, this special address to young people continues. I love this. Rejoice in the days of your youth and, verse 12, remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you say, I have no pleasure in them. Remember your creator it was a very wise thing when someone wrote the old children's catechism and made the first verse, who made you? You have a creator. Don't forget him. In the days of your youth, don't forget God. And, and realize this too. In Scripture, remembering, especially in the Old Testament, remembering means more than just thinking about, more than just mere mental activity. When God remembered Noah, he, he came and intervened. When God remembered his people Israel in Egypt, he came and intervened to be with them. To remember God means living with him, for him, seeking him, walking with him, knowing him. And Bible says, start young. Do it in the days of your youth. One time I read a story about Dwight Moody, uh, he was preaching to about 10,000 people in Chicago. And he asked everyone in this crowd who knew Jesus as their Savior to stand up. And about 6,000 people stood up. And he said, okay, if you came to know Jesus before the age of 15, sit down. And half of the people sat down. And then he said, if you came to know Jesus as your Savior before the age of 20, sit down. And half of the half that was remaining sit down. Three-fourths of the people in that room who were Christians came to know Christ before the age of 20. And then he went on and went, you know, increase the age, sit down, sit down, sit down. And in the end, there was only about 20 people in a crowd of 10,000 who came to know Christ after the age of 50. Now, what's his point in doing that? His point was, was to, to prod the young people who were listening to him to remember their creator in the days of their youth. Now, God can save people in later years. He saved those 20. 
He, there are people in our midst who, whom God saved after 20, lots of them. God can do that, of course, but young people, you shouldn't presume on His grace and say, I'll do it when I'm older, because you may not. Few who say that actually do. I love what the Bible says about King Josiah. While he was yet a boy, he began to seek the God of David, his father. That's the way to rejoice in your youthfulness most fully. To remember God while you're young. And listen to this. That's the way to be able to rejoice most fully in your old age too. To remember God when you're young. I know older Christians who are still haunted by things that they did when they were young. Times, they, years when they were not remembering their creator. Now they trust in God's grace. They trust in the blood of Jesus, that they're forgiven for those things. But you know what? They can't help it. Whenever that comes to mind, they feel sad and regretful. I think you can see this in Scripture. David prayed in Psalm 25, 7, David prayed, remember not the sins of my youth. So, so we know at least sometime David was thinking about them, even praying to God about them when he, when he was older. Job, in Job 13, 26, wondered aloud if God was making him inherit the iniquities of his youth. The way you can plan to be really happy when you're old is to start living for God when you're young. Use the dawn of life. Use the prime of life to know Jesus Christ. If you remember your Creator while you're young, you are building a bed of joy that you can lay down on when you're old. Children, Okay, young people, are, are you doing this? Are you remembering God? You know, what about, what about your hopes and plans for the rest of this summer? What about your hopes and plans for tomorrow? Do any of them have anything to do with God? Your hopes and plans and dreams for the rest of your young days, for the rest of your life, do they begin and end with remembering the God who created you? You did not make yourself. Remember the God who created you in all things for his glory. He's the giver of every good thing you enjoy. Don't forget him. He is the judge of everything you do. Don't forget him. He is the savior of all who come to him in the name of Jesus. Remember him in the days of your youth before the days of adversity come, that always come in some measure with aging. And so to encourage young people to do this, to act now before that comes, verses 2 through 7 describe those days in a very beautiful allegory about aging and dying. One man said that this was the most beautiful poem ever written about growing old. Look at verse 2. Remember your Creator before... The sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. So, when are the sun, light, moon, and stars darkened? 
Well, when a storm's about to come and clouds cover those heavenly lights and the gathering darkness tells you rain is coming and maybe worse, and that's familiar to us, but then the end of the verse says something that's not familiar. Then, then it's like when the storm is over, the clouds come right back after the rain. We're used to skies clearing after the storm and the lights of the sky return. Okay, in the days when you grow older, it's like the storm comes but then the, sty- the skies don't clear afterwards like they used to. The clouds are back immediately. When you're young and you experience pains and trials and seasons of weakness, most of the time you bounce right, you bounce right back. The, s- the storm passes, the lights return. But when you're older, not so much. It- it's much harder to bounce back from things. The weakness lingers. After some storms and pains, you're never quite the same. When you're aging, right, kids fall down and they get back up laughing, ready to play. Older people fall down and, and sometimes they have to go to the hospital. Or, or seriously, they may be in a wheelchair for the rest of their years. And it seems as soon as one trial is passed, another trial is looming. The clouds keep coming back. And in verse 3 begins this extended allegory. It, it's okay that you left. Don't feel bad, okay? This is supposed to be funny. The end of Ecclesiastes says that the preacher wrote words of delight. He wrote about growing old as a poem to delight you. So it's okay to smile. Don't feel bad. Verse 3 begins this allegory that, that compares failing body parts to a house. It's breaking down or a household. Verse 3 says, In the days when the keepers of the house tremble, and the strong men are bent, and the grinders cease because they are few, and those who look through the windows are dimmed. Okay, the keepers of the house tremble. What, the ones who protect and maintain the house, they start shaking. I think that, that's our hands and our arms. What we used to protect and maintain our lives and things. When we get old, we're not able to do that as well. Your hands might tremble. The strong men are bent. What's the strongest parts of your body? Your legs, where we have the most strength. As we age, they don't quite straighten out like they, like they used to. And we can't even walk or stand all the way upright anymore. Next, the grinders cease because they are few. Might lose your teeth. Looking through the windows are dimmed. Your eyes start to fail. It's like your eyes are windows that make everything dim on the other side. Hard to to see. Now look at verse 4. The doors of the street are shut when the sound of grinding is low. And one rises up at the sound of a bird. And all the daughters of song are brought low. So so I think the doors on the street, some people think that refers to your mouth, but I think it refers more likely to your ears. It's like you're hearing something in another room and the door is shut, or outside and the door is shut. It's muffled. You can't hear like you used to. And yet, as a cruel irony, the next part of the, uh, the middle part of the verse says, one rises up at the sound of, of a bird. Even though the sound of grinding is low, you can't hear the mill outside very well. But then when you're trying to sleep, sometimes the slightest noise wakes you up. And you can't go back to sleep like you used to. This, the verse says, you rise up at the sound of a bird. And then the end of the verse again, and, and this happens even though you can't hear pretty songs like you used to. So now look at verse 5. As all this is happening, then also they are afraid of what is high, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms 
the grasshopper drags itself along. Desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. The older you get, the more reason you have to be afraid of heights. Your balance isn't what it used to. For the same reason, you may have terror over the way. Ways you used to walk without even thinking about it. That might be dangerous to me. I might stumble. Something bad might happen that I might not be able to prevent. You know, even things like going to get the mail can, can become, a, have terrors in the way. You have to tread more with caution. The almond tree blossoms. Okay, what color are the blossoms of the almond tree? White. Your hair turns gray. The grasshopper drags itself along. This is a powerful picture. Grasshoppers are so amazingly springy. And now think of a grasshopper that is dragging himself along on the ground. And you think, oh my, what happened to that grasshopper? It didn't used to be like that, I'm sure. Okay, we used to be so capable. And the people, the grasshoppers around us are still so capable. As we age, we, we have to move like dragging grasshoppers. Next, desire fails. More literally, the Hebrew here says, the caper berry is ineffective. Caper berries were thought in those days to be stimulants for a physical desire, either for food or, or for romance. But this verse says that it loses its effect on the older person. Desires that, that used to be easily cultivated, they weaken and wane. And the end of this verse finally tells us what's happening here. Why do all of these faculties start to fail like this as we grow old? It's because we're going to our eternal home, and this ain't it, here under the sun. We're dying. And listen, the difficulties of aging, here's how it can be a blessing in disguise. It helps us to prepare for the fact that we're going to our eternal home, and this isn't it. It can, it can make believers willing and ready to face death who weren't willing and ready to face it before. Verse 6 describes in very thick imagery, but also very beautiful, the moment of death. The, script, the scripture deals with such reverence and beauty about the most difficult things. Again, this is to move you to remember God before this happens. Verse 6, before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the, the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel is broken at the cistern. So the, the idea seems to be that there's a golden bowl. Maybe it's for holding water, or maybe it's for holding oil, like there's a burning lamp in it, and it's suspended by a silver cord. But one day, the silver cord breaks in two, and the bowl falls, and it's broken. The light goes out. The water is spilled. The second half of the verse, uh, these things enable people to keep drinking life-giving waters. But in a moment, the, well at the, the wheel at the well is broken. No more water can be drawn. The pitcher sitting beside the well is shattered. No more water can be carried. And now in verse 7, this thick imagery is all dropped and Solomon speaks so plainly about what this moment means. Verse 7, And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. And then you're dead. From dust man's body was made, and to dust your body will return. 
And at that time, the spirits of men leave their bodies. The spirits of those who are not righteous before God because Christ's work is not covering their sins, their souls go to wait in days of darkness. And they wait in anguish for the resurrection of their body, the resurrection of the unjust, when they will stand before God in this resurrected body that's fit to receive the sentence for eternity that they deserve for their sin. And they'll be justly sentenced to their eternal home, soul and body, to a place the Bible calls the lake of fire where there's no rejoicing. But when the bodies of believers return to dust, those whose sins are covered for free because of the work Jesus did, that they trust their spirits upon death will ascend to God and be with Jesus, who is their Savior and their righteousness in paradise. They will rejoice. They will also wait for their body to be resurrected, but in the resurrection of the righteous. And God will give them resurrected bodies that are like Christ's, and these glorious bodies will be, the New Testament says, their eternal homes, homes that don't break down. Homes that are able to maximally enjoy God in His presence and all of His good gifts on a new earth where righteousness dwells and death is swallowed up in victory. That's the end of the great salvation Jesus has won for us. So friend, let this text in Ecclesiastes do what it's supposed to in your heart, especially in your young heart. If you have one of those, think about getting old. Think about death. Think about the resurrection. Think about eternity. And remember your creator in the days of your youth. Use the best of your days to to know God. God, I pray that you would cause this word by the power of your spirit to have that effect on the young people in this congregation. And also, God, use your word to have the good effect it should on every aged person in this congregation to lead us, lead some to salvation and and lead all of us to greater rejoicing in you for your goodness, for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.